there a set agenda when you when you got a whole lot of really clever New Zealanders together in Raglan? Did you have a did you have a plan for for what you'd come out with? Yeah, we kind of had a plan, but we were using a more of an unconference style. So um, the plan was to look at the state of New Zealand today and the, I guess the opportunities that COVID has brought with like a huge amount of money being spent by the government to, I guess, reset New Zealand. And there was a lot of talk around like the infrastructure that was going to be coming and the shovel ready projects mm. and working in the tech industry. Um, we all kind of felt, well, what about the keyboard ready projects? There's so much potential for us to build this knowledge economy and actually use this as an opportunity to put New Zealand ahead of everyone else, but it wasn't being talked about. So I guess for us, the agenda was how do we bring together a lot of people with knowledge and who are ready to go in that space and then work out what's stopping them. What could we, if we could put something else forward, what would it be? And um, what would make a real difference to, um, I guess, putting New Zealand ahead of the pack mm. going forward? I love that concept of the, the keyboard ready projects as well. And there is that, I know, I, quite often it seems really glib of, uh, for me to talk about the silver linings and the opportunities that we've got when there is going to be a lot of hurt and a lot of ongoing kind of domino uh, economic effects. Um, but there is also at the same time, there is an opportunity for us to reset some things. Can you can you talk about where you got to? Um, maybe maybe if we look at some of the hurdles uh, that are there at the moment, and then some of them, some of the potential opportunities that you that you worked through. Yeah, I think I think the first thing uh, to to um, to note is that what what COVID's shown us is that we we're all connected um, more than we more than we think, and uh, the old. Uh, mentality of you know competition for competition's sake and you know that kind of dog eat dog mentality that comes with you know a, a more sort of purist view of capitalism is not going to cut it in the in the post-covid world um if you just act in your own self-interest um it is going to harm others and you know you know what 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 and you know it's it's a bit of a cliche but you know, it's it's how can we how can we lift each other up and support each other in more of a, a kind of um, community mindset and more of a, an ecosystem based approach rather than just um, you know winner take all and and that is the the, um, the the issue right and there are segments of the economy which uh, extract more than they put back and I think. That really came to the fore at the summit, and you know there was a lot of talk about well-being. You know, we, we, we know well-being budget. Well, what does that really mean? Well, we had one guy stood up and talked about you know close family members who had committed suicide in the last few months, and you know that really hit home. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all got those kind of stories, right? So, you know, um, and what we have seen in COVID is that Kiwis are prepared to put. The health and well-being of, of each other before uh, our own self-interest. So, you know, what does that mean? And the the big takeaway from the summit was the idea of New Zealand values, um, many of which are, are kind of rooted in in in, in te ao Māori. So, you know, Māori values that we they're kind of universal values that we can all identify with. 
Um, and, and what does that mean if we build infrastructure that has um, you know, strong values at the, at the foundation? Um, so yeah, that, that was the thing that, really, that, that was the missing link because the technology is the easy part, right? Mm. Um, you know, there's plenty of good technology out there and we're, we're in many ways receivers of technology from offshore, but what does technology look like if we build it with those, those values in mind? And for me, that was the circuit breaker and that's, that's the potential goal that we could um, unearth if we, you know, we all come together around, around that, that vision. Mm. Do you get the sense that uh, I know capitalism has had a bit of a beat up uh, recently? Do you get do you get the sense that things were starting to shift anyway, and maybe uh, COVID was kind of a push, it was a catalyst for to, to, to really excel some of the uh, accelerate some of the changes that needed to happen? And maybe there are other metrics that people are starting to think about in terms of um, business success and how you you know how you kind of prioritize things. Do you get the sense that that was already starting to unfold? I think there's been quite a shift to people looking at like circular economies and donut economics and um, trying to understand that you know we've got finite resources and mm. that idea of continued growth and continued consumerism is starting to um, play out in um, a lot of strategies a lot of CSR strategies in all businesses now so I think people were thinking about it um, but and I mean, those shifts usually happen when consumers start thinking about that stuff as well. So mm. I do feel that, particularly in New Zealand, we've always had quite strong values-based companies anyway, um, and they are starting to think about their place within kind of the wider community. Um, and much like in the last recession, that you really, like, it comes forward in New Zealand that people care about people here. That mm. there's a real... Um, you know, our team of five million, we all want to be working together to make everybody better. Um, and I guess COVID probably gave people and a lot of time to sit around at home and really reflect on what life is like for them every day and what it could be like. I know for a lot of people, it was probably the first time they hung out with their kids and their partners like consistently for that much time. And so I think from a business perspective, it really has helped a lot of businesses think about um, working from home, for example, which has always been in legislation and flexible work hours have been there. But I think it's been quite a circuit breaker for people who now, like, they've had to take away the reason that like, people won't be productive at home. Like, well, now we know you can. So what's the purpose of coming into work? And there's still great joy in seeing your colleagues and um, getting together with Reboot. You know, there was a lot of people still thinking about doing conferencing remotely, but we knew the importance of having people together um, in that space. Mm. So I think it has really shifted our view. And also when any government puts in a large amount of money um, into infrastructure, um, you do want to see as a country that it is for public good. And we had a lot of conversation around that, around like the private sector involvement in things that are um, national infrastructure level and is it okay for single companies to make a lot of money out of um, this kind of rebooting of the economy on how does that, um, you know, the idea that trickle down economics mm. has kind of gone out the window. It's like, how do you ensure that the things that are being built are being built by the right people? And um, yeah, it came up a lot, like do we need a public works 
like in the 80s or is it okay that it's in private sector and if it's in the private sector what are those kind of um, rules around ensuring public good and public benefit mm. um, for new people that wouldn't otherwise get it yeah it's such an interesting point so where do you go from here when when you know you've got this it's like a multi-pong uh, multi-pronged reliance on government you know some funding there some legislation you've got the entrepreneurs you've got the the marketplace uh, i mean what's next in terms of driving the sort of change that you're talking about and rebooting the right way yeah well i think the values have to be at the at the forefront and and that's the 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 way we're approaching it so the um we put a, a paper out the people's paper uh, from the summit and it was incredible the attraction that it got from from uh, government, from uh, industry uh, groups, and and from um, from corporates and and potential partners. Um, yeah, so um, you know Microsoft are doing some incredible things um, under the leadership of Vanessa Sorensen, and they're they they see a lot of potential um, in, in New Zealand for us to kind of to to lead lead by example. Um, the um, NZ Tech Alliance were, um, you know, already going down this track and saw it as reinforcement of some of the, the thinking that they've been putting forward to government. And then you've got groups like Menaki. So we had Sarah C from uh, the Buy New Zealand uh, Products uh, Facebook group at the at the summit, and, and she's amazing what she's doing at 23. She's got mm. half a million Kiwis. She's stimulating the the uh, artisan producers of New Zealand and, and making a real difference in their in their lives and you know th these are the these are the companies which and, and groups that are going to come which have those values you know Manaki has a huge amount of trust um, by the small business sector just because of the ethos that they they bring you know this idea of you know top top um, NZ entrepreneurs who have been successful offering their time and expertise free of charge to others out of kindness and just wanting their fellow Kiwis to, to, to do well or, or to, to, to make the right decisions coming out of this. That, that's the thing we've got to celebrate and, and amplify. And, and the infrastructure can amplify it. So if you think about the, the international corporates that, that play in New Zealand, a lot of whom don't pay a lot of tax mm. here, um, you know, they are companies that we spend a lot of time digitally online with them you know many of them are monopolies in their in their area and you know that's the opportunity i think for new zealand to provide an alternative that's that's more aligned to our values that allows us to capture more of the value from from these platforms and that could be you know media platforms it could be uh, financial platforms you know uh, fintech hasn't really got going here but it's because um you know the international banks haven't either haven't been able to share data because their systems are so old and creaky or you know that means you know the infrastructure is failing or for some reason they don't want to share the data because they see it as a competitive advantage and you know that's a real barrier to, to innovation so that that really came through at the summit that people want to see these open systems the shared infrastructure that's not owned by a single entity that's owned in, in a cooperative model um, Know, sort of digital co-ops uh, that, that came through really strongly and you know the right kind of governance with 
you know, Māori at the table and, and at the forefront because a lot of the values they they understand intimately. So this is kind of like back to the future. What was New Zealand like before before everyone arrived, you know, and, and there was plenty for everyone. There was a world of abundance. And you know, how do we get back to that? Mm. You know, and I know we've got five million people here now, but we've got there's plenty of space for us all up, isn't there? So it's about doing things better. You know, building back better was a big theme of the conference. And what what digital and the infrastructure allows you is to also build back smarter. Um, but that's why the values have to be right because it's it's easy to build systems that you know um, concentrate all the value in 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 a, in a single entity, which is why the conversation in the US, for example, is about you know are they too big and you know should they be regulated and all the rest of it. But we're saying, well, hey, we're New Zealand. Let's let's do things differently. Mm. So there's there's a couple of. Uh points there that I, that I want to um, pick up from, but I'll go back to that because I've got a media bias, obviously, and we've been kind of battling it out here locally, but meanwhile, you've got the likes of Facebook and Google uh, taking more and more advertising revenue and, and running it through some of their, their, their clever tax uh, evasion, I mean, uh, tax systems. Um, but, you know, what how do we, we've got like a month where people are boycotting Facebook, um, but I have the sense that after that, uh, everything will just carry on. Like, where do we get the traction? What, where do we, where do we actually make the fundamental shift? So one of the, I guess it's probably the most unsexy of all topics is data um, and the education around what data is. And so this was another really key theme that came out. And I think it's probably a theme that all, New Zealand needs to talk about um, is who owns our data and how do we become the center of it and we choose what happens with it. So companies like Facebook, um, Google, you know, we actively give them a complete view of our life. I don't know about how many people listening have Google Home, but we have it in every room at our house, you know, and we've, without thinking, given so much data about what we do and who we are. And that kind of seems all right when it's just frivolous, like it's on Facebook, but actually, as we think about how technology will completely encapsulate every um, different business going forward, um, data is gonna be the most valuable thing and it's the new gold rush, right? And so mm. I think there's a big education piece that has to happen in Aotearoa New Zealand about um, what data is and why it's so important that we start to make smarter decisions about what we do with it and who we share it with. And I believe that that change will come. Um, a big part that came out of that is like who collects what about us and what decisions is it used for. So um, one of the fundamental pieces that came out of the summit was this idea of um, trusted identity. Um, and as we go forward into a digital world, um, how we build out trust frameworks and identity frameworks that are in service of all New Zealanders, not just the people that would otherwise um, get them. Because we already have holes in New Zealand with identity to get um, any kind of allowance from the government, you have to have an address. Mm. So we're already excluding a portion of our society to get a driver's license. You have to have a form of ID already that's a government one. So for young people that have moved around a lot or been in foster care or um, for whatever reason, no longer have a birth certificate, 
or a passport, they're not going to be able to get a driver's license. Um, without identification, you can't get bank accounts, you can't get your qualifications. So as we move into a digital space, we have to start thinking about what data um, represents you, like what is your digital footprint, who owns that, um, and, and start valuing it ourselves. And I think once we start really, and it's not in the interest of the data collection companies for this to happen, right? Because mm -hmm. right now we're all spewing so much data into Facebook and just giving it away um, and getting back kind of a reward, like it's very addictive, that stuff. But mm -hmm. as we start educating people around, well, what does that data mean? Like, what does that mean in terms of what you're being presented to for politics? We've got an election coming up. It'll be their second election where we have massive digital advertising happening, both by our parties and by people that we don't even know who they are. We can't see, like, I can't see what Andy gets fed. I can't see what you get fed. Um, to play on what's happening in New Zealand right now, it's, mm. um, I think there's this, so yeah, so there's this education piece that we have to do with our populace around it. And then once we've done that, I feel like, hopefully, and hopefully for you guys <laughs> in media, um, people will start making different decisions about who they trust mm. um, and the kind of trusted relationship they have with being able to say no. Like in New Zealand, we don't have the right to be forgotten, but in Europe they do. And it seems ridiculous that we haven't done that. Obviously we're a tiny little country at the bottom of the world, but we do hit outside our weight in lots of places. And I think data should be the place we hit the biggest out of. We should be making that like the fundamental baseline. It's hmm. a new human right and we're not protecting it. And we're not protecting it for anybody. And can you just clarify the right to be forgotten? So within Europe, they passed a law that you could you could apply to Google to have all of your details wiped. Is that the? Is that yeah, the and so you can, and they have to do it. So as an individual, you can go through and go, I don't want my history, which you know, for my generation, isn't such a big deal because by the time that stuff was prolific. I had already probably got out of the way most of my antics of my youth. Mm -hmm. But for this next generation coming through who have been on the internet for a lot of them since they were born and a lot of it without them knowing or without the ability to understand the repercussions of some of the things that have been put out there for them. Because let's face it, the first thing you do when you go to hire someone is Google them. Mm -hmm. um, or if your friend starts dating someone, you're like, oh, I'm going to Google them and see what they're like. Um, yeah. And you can make something that for me would have been a funny story I tell at a party, but for these young people today is um, gonna completely transform their lives because they can't be forgotten. But mm. in the Europe, they can. And I think that that should be a right here, fundamentally. Mm. I think it is a very good thing that my teenage years and early 20s are <laughs> not on record. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, it's interesting though, because you, you're kind of talking about a data divide as well, because it's times like this where I worry that the, you know, that that divide between the haves and the haves not will, will widen as well because it's, you know, there will be a lot of pressure on uh, houses and assets and the people that are liquid come in and, you know, they can buy up. Um, but when we went into lockdown, there was also the, the case where um, a lot of schools that had, you know, they had the online systems, uh, kids at home had uh, access to the internet, which you think is a fairly basic thing these days, but a lot of, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people weren't able to carry on their, their education. Is that something that, and I know that's also something that came up in the people's paper as well. Um, did you have any, any conclusions around what we need to do there? 
Yeah, so 200,000 young people didn't have a device when we went into lockdown at home or internet to use them. Um, I know for a fact there's 200,000 devices sitting in storage cupboards of our largest corporates. Mm. We're going to dispose of them at some point. So again, it's one of those things that as a team of 5 million, these problems are probably solvable, but the way we solve them is by coming together about the next big idea. And education was a key theme. We had some incredible... Um, entrepreneurs at the summit who were working in the education space and Brittany Tai who founded KidsCoin to look at how to engage young Māori in financial literacy and has gone on to work in the space of apprenticeships and how do we engage people into apprenticeships that wouldn't normally go into those spaces and particularly digital spaces. We had um, Amber yeah. We're not just yeah. talking about trades. I mean, that's where you have when government makes an announcement around apprenticeships and it's only covering the building trades. It's, mm. it's, um, we're missing a trick. Mm. Uh, and that idea of a digital apprenticeship, which you know, our, our cousins across the Tasman have you know, announced a huge program around digital apprenticeships. And you know, I'm, I'm sure we're not far away, but that's the sort of initiative we need. We need pathways. And the big idea that came out is we need to celebrate our, our digital heroes like we celebrate the All Blacks. And mm -hmm. if you think about the, um, the structures that are built around um, you know, community and then elite level rugby and the pathways that are available for, for, um, for, for kids at school that gets them into elite programs, which takes them into a career in, in rugby, that's the sort of thing we need. Uh, in the digital digital space, and uh, you know this idea of um, you know creating role models so kids can understand uh, the career opportunities that are available in digital, and it's not just being a programmer. There's you know there's so many different roles, um, you know, and a lot of it is about solving problems. So it's about starting with you know problems that are out there in the community, uh, and how how do you solve them, and then managing projects to to um, to solve them. So designing designing new systems, new experiences, solutions, testing those solutions. There's so many different options and that's the beauty of, of, um, of, of digital. It's like Lego, you know, you're only limited by your imagination and that's, mm. the, that's the, the opportunity I think we've got down here with, our, you know, with, with, with New Zealand. You mentioned before as well, going back back to the future, um, but but really embracing some of the, and I think even in the wider Pacific as well, um, you know, we've got the potential to look at, at not necessarily new models, but models that have been there and that have worked for a very long time in terms of uh, custodianship, uh, intergenerational thinking. Uh, what, what sort of, I mean, how do you think um, bringing in some more of those indigenous principles will change the, the future of New Zealand business? Have you, have you given thought to that? So I went to the Social Enterprise World Forum a couple of years ago now, um, when it was held in Christchurch, and they ran a, a Māori stream, which I went to a lot of, and they were talking about um, social entrepreneurs. And my favourite quote from it was, that Māori don't have social entrepreneurs because all Māori are social entrepreneurs. It's built into inherently what being Māori in business is, is that you have the people and place at the heart of every decision that you make. And so this like difference between entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship is really a Western concept. And we find that in a lot of the work that we do and with young people at the trust and when we introduce them to technology and what they can do and then task them with making something. Um, 
every single one of them makes something for their community. And without doubt, without prompting, they all look back at where they're from and how they can help. Um, mm. So I feel like there's been kind of this big pressure on business to think about shareholder value and think about, mm. you know, what's the return on investment for profit line. And, and that's been our kind of our go-to for what success is. But we're seeing more and more now this new breed of entrepreneur coming forward who's going success is more than that. It's important that our company is successful financially, but it's also and equally as important that our company is successful in giving us a purpose and doing good for the planet. Um, the shift to a lot of B Corps um, in New Zealand and companies moving that way. Mm. And, and I feel like for New Zealand, we are so privileged to be Pākehā. New Zealand is here where we get to interact with these really um, beautiful value sets that talk about that just as a way of being. And the more we can, um, I guess, embrace some of that thinking and that deep wisdom of, like you said, in the, both the Pacifica and Māori communities, they have a different way of working together and a different way of being together. And we're very privileged to get to include that in mm. our businesses. And we see companies like Spark and Microsoft, like big corporates who now have built entire wings for Māori business within their businesses, um, global indigenous kind of um, pathways within Microsoft, where this stuff is now, like it's been acknowledged at the top tables that there is so much more we could do and we could do it in a much better way if we just take a step back and give our seat up to somebody else to mm. share their wisdom because we'll all be lifted by it. And just in a bit of a macro, I'm looking at your background thinking I need to take a long weekend. But, yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah, oh, and the Institute of Awesome also looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you can go surfing. All right. All right. But uh, tourism is obviously uh really suffering we're looking at uh, a number of our sectors that are going to be down down and out for a while where are the where are the opportunities do you think if we're looking at like a gdp kind of sense yeah well i think it's about being creative uh, we had brooke howard smith at the summit and uh he's involved with the on the house uh movement that started on on waiki basically a bunch of uh, cool. luxury homeowners decided to gift their homes to um to the community for for rent so what, what basically happens is you would you would book the home in a, in a kind of normal way on airbnb or a, or a similar platform and the money that would would otherwise go to the homeowner let's say it's 500 a night so a thousand dollars for the weekend you'd get that back in in vouchers or digital vouchers that you can spend with um approved providers or operators on the island and they uh, launched that a couple of weekends ago and, and managed to um, inject 80 grand into the community. And now they're seeing this as something that could potentially scale nationwide and be a, a real value driver for even long-term for off-season uh, tourism where, where, you know, these community um, communities are quiet and the businesses, you know, battle away, you know, and, and waiting for the, for the peak. And, and I do think, um, you know, tourism is, is going to be the hardest hit for, for obvious reasons. But, but you know, again, if you, if you start with the right values, um, you know, these people that, that love the wineries on, on Waikiki and benefit from these businesses, why not give, give back? You know, you've got these 
luxury homes that are empty for a big chunk of the year it doesn't doesn't cost a lot maybe a little bit of wear and tear and you you create so much benefit for the community and it's that that sort of idea i think has got got legs you know turning your turning your homes into currencies you know mm. converting assets to value that's that's where we've got to get creative and uh, the interesting thing there is we the infrastructure is not really in place to enable that idea to scale so you know what does that that look like and um those are some of the things we're working on you know right mm. now and so what is how does it how does it work now for uh for the team you've got the people's paper you've had the you've had the think tank what what happens next well, how do you keep the momentum going good question um <laughs> so well yeah we, we we i mean we've got a few ideas actually um you know it's it's about it's about it's about you know people um being inspired and you know the, the, no one's got the mortgage on the good ideas right so part of it was about putting the idea out there and for other people to pick it up and respond in their own way, which they have, which has been great. But in terms of a concrete initiative, we are working on, you know, what does the governance look like around taking this forward? What is, what is an industry or a community led approach to that governance look like? And, you know, some of the meetings we're having in the next few weeks are around, you know, whether we, we need to set up a foundation or some sort of consortium entity where you can actually, um, build infrastructure that has a, a shared ownership and um, you know that's something we're definitely exploring nothing nothing uh, is concrete yet but yeah yeah what watch this space <laughs> and in the short term there are so many awesome people there that are already doing amazing things and yeah. so as a group we made some pledges to support some great initiatives that were coming out of it so one of them was voluntarily which is a platform that our charity is building to democratize access to corporate volunteering and um, primarily because what we've seen in the work we've done over the past five years is that we're not getting our experts to the places they need to be um, to start this journey of education around digital technology and other future kind of ready skills mm. and so we looked at it with a system-wide view and went, well, how do we ensure that um, right now there's enough corporate volunteer days given that go unused to have like three people in every school across the country tomorrow hmm. um, and support community groups. And those are already given and no one uses them. So how do we look at um, making sure that we're actually working together as a country and we're doing the things that we can do easily? Um, and then we can start thinking about some of these next steps and the other thing is it's an election year so it's actually a really good time to start having a conversation with the person next to you around what's important to you mm. um with covid it's really helped a lot of us focus in on what's important to us as people and as members of a community and members of a wider country and we get to have our say you can write a letter to your local mp and they have to read it and they'll want to read it at the moment because they want to be telling you what you want to hear so you vote for them again mm. um but it's a really it's a really pertinent time because for some of us it might seem that COVID is over but um it's not mm. and it's not globally and it's definitely not nationally from a financial perspective we've got our second wage subsidy going to come to an end in yeah. a couple of months and then we're really going to start seeing the long tail of what this means for new zealand businesses mm. and tourism is going to be massive. Um, mm. We run a tourism business and Raglan is a tourist town. So I can see a whole town who is sitting there going, how mm. do we, 
how do we stay okay? Um, and that's being replicated all over New Zealand at the moment. So I think the only way forward is for people who have great ideas, um, which will help the majority of New Zealanders to keep um, working together. And if anyone's interested in it, then hit us up because that's what we're trying to do is amplify great ideas mm. and work out how do you make them effective across the country because we still need to be banding together. It's not just about staying indoors anymore. Now it's about lifting each other. Mm. Brilliant. All right, one last one last question or a, a, a request really, but uh, <laughs> can you can you both share uh, a statement of optimism? If you can, if you can muster it. Yeah. Well, hey, look, uh, it, it it is it isn't easy um, where you see so much uh, hurt and so much pain and, and suffering out there, and you know we're really still quite early on in, in the curve. But but I do think that um, you know we've got a beautiful country and and and, and beautiful people in it, and and I think if we if we do um, pull, pull, pull out on those um, those values and those qualities that have made us successful in the past, I think we've got a huge opportunity ahead of us. Right? And um, you know, you only need to think about what would happen if they opened the borders. How many people would be booking a one-way ticket to New Zealand? So, mm. you know, let, let's let, let's come up with a plan, and uh, you know, we can do it, and then and then let's work together to to make sure we all um, all benefit. Um, so I'm very fortunate in my day-to-day -day life I get to work with schools like a lot of the time and the resounding message that we've had from them in COVID and post-COVID is that they are so excited about this radical transformation of the education system and how much better it's going to serve our young people um, we saw some great work by Claire Amos and a collective around hacking NCEA to allow young people to get multiple credits for the same bit of work. Which seems like a no-brainer if you're in business, you're like, oh yeah, do it once, get all of the gains. Um, but in education, our young people are having to do so much extra work for it. And they're really looking to lock in these new ways of thinking and working. Um, they don't have all of the answers, all the skills. And so I'm so optimistic about how our business communities can now work alongside our education communities to make sure that we are building a knowledge economy that we've always talked about and we're unlocking all of this potential to be world leaders um, because we've got the time and space to do it now and we've got all of these different groups that are so enthusiastic and it makes me so optimistic and I hope it makes everyone else optimistic too thinking about just the incredible opportunity we have right now if everyone wants to work together um, to reboot what we have and grow something new, um, which is just going to be in service of everyone. Um, mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm very excited.